Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Globe Life Field in Texas. It's the Indians 6, the Texas Rangers nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And the Indians go out on a really positive note. And I'm glad that we do not have to watch another game in Globe Life Field until next season. Frankly, I'm glad we only have to see it once a year because, man, I really hate watching a baseball game in that stadium, at least on TV. My God, I've never had that experience before where it's such a bad experience watching a game on TV because of the stadium. So the Indians go out on a really positive note. Uh, They end the season. The final record is 80 and 82. And you know what? They played a really good game. They played a really good all-around baseball game to end the season. A few more of those, and they would have been in that wild-card contention. Well, more like uh, 12 more of those, and they would have been in wild-card contention. So, you know, it's not the season that we saw coming. It is the season, if you know I talk about some of the other writers and some of the other podcasts, uh, if you listen to the Selby is Godcast, an Indians beat writer for the Athletic, Zach Meisel, friend of the show, uh, he predicted 80 and 82. He called it. He called the shot. So, uh, yeah, we thought it was going to be more around an 85 and 86 win season. Um, but I think, I think we can all realistically look at this team, the injuries they had to their pitching, the lack of investment in the offense from the front office, and say, yeah, probably around a 500 team. I think we all comfortably thought that at the beginning of the season. Even if some of us were slightly pessimistic or slightly optimistic, I think we all knew that we were around a 500 team and that it was going to swing one way or the other. It always does, right? The luck of the luck of baseball always pushes you one way or another. Um, so, yeah. We finished below 500, the first losing season under Terry Francona. And yeah, it just, it wasn't the summer we thought it was going to be. I mean, it wasn't the summer we hoped it would be. It was the summer I think we thought it would be, maybe. But I think we all hope for a little bit more, a little bit more based on our pitching, based on what we've been able to do in the Central Division. I don't think any of us thought the White Sox were going to run away with the division the way they ran away with the division. And you know what? Nine-game losing streaks in the middle of the season really don't help. Really don't help. All right, so let's get into the details of this game. And I am not going to do a big, oh, my God, this is the final game is the Indians kind of thing because, frankly, no. It's, it's, did you see Anthony Castrovince's tweet uh, the morning, you know, yesterday morning? about the article, the first article ever written about the Cleveland Indians and their first game against the Tigers back in 1915, it is super racist. So, no, I'm not going to do that. We've talked about the Indians' guardian's name enough, and we've talked about the fact that, I mean, the only thing that's changing is the nickname. They are still the Cleveland baseball franchise. Uh, You know, yesterday during the game, they were throwing up, you know, the, the leaders for... Indians, you know, all the team was named the Indians. Here are the leaders in home runs or the leaders in wins or strikeouts or whatever. And I'm like, nah, you know, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that because this this franchise is bigger than the Indians. This franchise is the Blues, Broncos, Naps, Indians, and now Guardians. It's the Cleveland baseball franchise. All right? 
So we're not going to do any big wrap-up episode like that. We're going to talk about the game, and then we're going to talk a little bit about moving into the offseason. So the Indians get some scoring done early, and that's my top storyline of this game is the offense really found ways to jump out to a nice early lead and create a really good environment for their pitching. So Miles Straw getting things done with the very first at-bat. Shoots a signal through the right side. Love seeing Miles Straw go that way. It'd be his only hit on the day, but he'd steal a base and then come around to score. He'd steal on the first pitch to Ahmed Rosario. I want to see more of that. And then Ahmed Rosario, after he delivers an RBI hit up the middle, he goes and steals second. I want to see those guys off and running this season, uh, next season. It was Straw's 30th steal on the season. Ahmed Rosario was only his 13th stolen base on the season. Bradley Zimmer would also add two steals, and that would be important. That would turn into a run later in the game. He had 15 on the season. I would love to see Ahmed Rosario get up there around 30 steals. He's got the speed to do it. Um, Miles Straw, 30 steal season. That's big. That is really big from Miles Straw. I mean, this guy uh, really has a chance to put together a fantastic season um, when it comes to stealing bases, maybe hitting doubles too. You know, we don't expect him to be, uh, you know, a huge home run guy. Uh, oh, it's already jumping me in a postseason stats. Here I am trying to look at regular season stats. It's the MLB app is already ready for the postseason. Uh, He ends up with 29 doubles on the season and 30 steals. So very close to a 30-30 season for Miles Straw. I think he can get that definitely next season. 30 steals, 30 doubles. Who knows? Maybe even kick it up to 40 steals. I mean, there's no reason this guy can't be near the top of the league when it comes to stolen bases. So they combined for a run in the first inning. We'd have to wait to the lineup. Top of the lineup came around again in the third inning uh, to put together some more runs in this game, and uh, jumping back over to the scoreboard here, let's see how they get it done in the third inning. This time, it's a walk that kicks things off, and a walk would kick off a few scoring opportunities for the Indians here. So Ahmed Rosario draws a walk. Jose Ramirez shoots a double off of the glove of the pitcher, Dunning. It deflects into right field. How many times have we seen that where it's deflected off the pitcher's glove and right to an infielder? Well, this time, Jose Ramirez, like I said, you got to be a little lucky sometimes in baseball, and it deflects out in the right field. Ahmed Rosario goes to third. Jose Ramirez hustles all the way into second for a double. Man, there is nothing better than watching these guys leg out a double, get a hustle double uh, out of it. Fermil Reyes would then strike out. Uh, A wild pitch would bring Ahmed Rosario into score. Fermil Reyes would strike out. Yu Chang would strike out, and you're thinking, man, wasted opportunity. Runners on second and third, nobody out, and we're only going to get one run out of this on a wild pitch. But Bradley Zimmer is able to deliver a single through the gap, uh, through an infield gap, and drive in Jose Ramirez. He would then steal second, and Oscar Mercado, that'd be important because Oscar Mercado would hit a 100.6 mile per hour line drive, ground rule double in the left field. It would take a nice big hop and one hop the outfield fence out there. So if Zimmer doesn't steal second, he doesn't get to score. He is he would be stranded at third base when Austin Hedges strikes out to end the inning. So that steal, uh, you know, both steals proving big in this game. Uh, it creates scoring opportunities for Straw and Zimmer. Uh, that would not have happened probably uh, 
without that stolen base. So good job of taking the extra base uh, a couple of times in this game. Viola steal, Viola hustle, hustle double, and uh, creating runs in this game from the offense. I like that. I like the aggressiveness on the base path. And a good squi- swing by Oscar Mercado. It's interesting. So it was kind of a down and in pitch that he lines out in the left field. All his home runs have kind of been pitches that are up and in. I was looking at his illustrator uh, yesterday during the game. All his home runs have kind of come from pitches up and in. All his doubles have come from pitches down and, frankly, in the middle of the plate. Um, that's his double spot. And his home run spot have been pitches up and in. So kind of interesting from uh, from Oscar Mercado. Uh, definitely, definitely pulls that ball when he's going for an extra base hit. And it works out here for him. Uh, obviously, there is a lot to decide with Oscar Mercado and Bradley Zimmer going into next season. And then the uh, the fifth inning, we get a rally started via the walk. Fermil Reyes draws a one-out walk. And then Yu Chang comes up. No stolen base needed in this one. Yu Chang works a long at-bat here in the fifth inning. And eventually gets a high and tight fastball. And Chang has been going out to right field a lot, right? Right center field a lot. Him and Fermil Reyes talk about it all the time. Well, we also know that he worked on... Uh, his footwork and his hips and getting his uh, you know, power swing out to left field during the offseason. We talked about it in spring training. And here it is right here, a high and tight fastball, and he spins on it. Hits at 96.9 miles per hour, 385 feet. It bounces off the top of that left field wall. And left field in Globe Life Park is proving to be a really hard place to hit a home run. Balls just die out there. Chang gets it, though. He gets one over that wall, uh, bounces off the top of the wall, and hits the facing of the stands there. A two-run home run, a big run for the Cleveland Indians in that fifth inning, and that really made it. Uh, that was it. I mean, that sealed the game. That was the final run scored for the Cleveland Indians on this season was a two-run home run by Yu Chang. That is some good vibes going into next season for a guy who... Might compete for the second base job, but frankly, I think he's going to be your super utility infielder next year. He plays all four infield spots. You can't ask for more. Has really turned it on, uh, you know, as the season went on in the second half of the season. So, uh, you know, that's your final run uh, for the Cleveland Indians 2021 season. So, great job by the offense. The top six guys in the lineup all score a run, all find a way to score a run. Everybody finds a way to contribute. Um, even Andres Jimenez uh, was hit by a pitch and on base, and uh, Austin Hedges walked in the eighth spot. So even though those guys didn't have hits to end the season, they both found a way to get on base at least once. So every single person in the lineup was on base at least once. I was surprised Bobby Bradley wasn't in there for the final game that Yu Chang got the start of first base. Uh, I, I don't know what that means. It was a righty on the mound. So it's not a platoon thing. Uh, so maybe Bobby Bradley has a nagging injury. That, you know, they're like, okay, you know, no reason to push yourself. Let's get you into the offseason healthy. Um, I don't know. I don't know why he, Bobby Bradley wasn't in this game. He was someone, obviously, we all want to see take one more swing. And uh, to, you know, go into the offseason with good vibes. Instead, Yu Chang gets to go into the offseason with those good vibes. 
Uh, Bradley Zimmer, the only one on offense with a multi-hit day. He had two singles on the day and those two stolen bases. So he gets to go into the offseason with some good vibes. Uh, remember, we were talking about Bradley Zimmer and Oscar Mercado going back and forth. Like One of them seemed like they were really hot for a little bit, and then the other one seemed like they were hot for a little bit. They kind of seemed to like bounce back and forth between who's going to have the better OPS, who's going to have the better batting average. Well, in the end, the dust all settles, right? In the end, they end up around the exact same average, and they end up with the identical OPSs. Zimmer ends with a 227 batting average. Oscar Mercado ends with a 224 batting average. And they both end the season with 669 OPSs. That does, that does not help. That does not help decide which one of these young guys we might want to make an investment in and you know keep around and keep giving at bats to. Identical OPSs to end in the season. That's just that's silly. That is silly. All right, the other big storyline of the game is the pitching. And Aaron Savali, my God, he was fantastic. And he asked management for this game. He asked, he wanted, he needed another start. He's obviously struggled since coming back from the finger injury, has not been himself. And he's like, look, I need, I need one more start in this season. And they're like, look, Cal Quantrill, you have pitched fantastic. You did a great job this season. You ride off into the sunset for 2021 knowing you've pitched great. Let's let Aaron, let's let Aaron get a good, you know, some good vibes going into the offseason. And it's interesting, he's joked that his last starts of the season for the last two seasons have both been terrible. So this is the first time he gets to go into the offseason on some good vibes. His final line, six innings pitched, three hits, no runs, one walk, four strikeouts, no home runs, 82 pitches, and only four hard hit balls. So a great job by Aaron Savali really inducing some weak contact, and he went to the curveball a ton, a ton. He was throwing it for strikes. He was dropping it out the bottom of the zone. Um, it wasn't really attacking all four quadrants, uh, just like we saw a day or two ago, ignoring the uh, inside bottom corner for him and throwing a lot of things across the zone. So maybe that's just a scouting report for the Texas Rangers. Maybe there's a lot of righties that can really light it up uh, when you come down and in on them. So going away a lot with the curveball and the slider and the cutter through a ton. Um, But keeping most of it away from the righties and in on the lefties. That was the plan of attack. And uh, it seemed to work against this Texas Rangers team. Now he throws a curveball a ton. He throws it 29 times the most of any pitch throws that cutter 26 times of all his different fastballs, and he throws the cutter, he throws the sinker two-seamer, he throws the four-seamer, even throws a splitter in there. He threw the cutter the most. He went with that one and was getting a lot of called strikes with it. So he ends up with a decent amount of swing and miss, four swings on 13, uh, four whiffs on 13 swings on the curveball, plus six called strikes. It's good for a 34% CSW on that pitch. On the cutter, it's only two whiffs, but he gets seven called strikes, good for a 35% CSW. What was great is he was inducing weak contact. The average exit velocity off that curve was only 78.1. The average exit velocity off of that cutter was only 85.2. So a good job of inducing weak contact off those pitches. Now, how did he get his four strikeouts? Well, he got two of them going high fastball. He, uh, he got a called strike to TJ Peters on a high cutter. 
that he uh, pulls into the top left corner of the zone. And then he gets a called strike on a high fastball to Hernandez, also a called strike on a high fastball. This one was a two-seamer to the outside uh, corner. Um, so good job there with some high fastballs, getting called strikes, locking guys up. And then he gets a couple of swinging strikes. He gets Hernandez to swing over a curveball on an 0-2 count in the third inning. And he gets another swinging strike from Nathaniel Lowe, the lefty. He gets him on a 2-2 count in the fourth inning to swing over a curveball. So going high and going low for his strikeouts. So overall, it's a great, it's a great pitching performance from Aaron Savali. And then the bullpen would kick in. And the bullpen, it's all the names you know and love. Wickren comes in, goes two-thirds of an inning, does give up a hit. Shaw comes in and cleans it up on one pitch. Uh, that's all it took for him to get out of the seventh inning. Anthony Ghost gets the eighth inning, and he delivers two big strikeouts. And then Emmanuel Classe, like he should, finishes things off for the Cleveland Indians. Anytime they have a lead, they're going to Classe in that ninth inning. And he finished things off with a strikeout on 16 pitches. No hits, no runs, no walks, and a strikeout on 16 pitches. And uh, Ghost did a good job of pounding that fastball in there. A great job, again, uh, and this time, six swings, three whiffs on that fastball, and then two swings, two whiffs on the slider. He actually got someone to chase the slider. So that's fantastic. And uh, the two strikeouts from him, going back over to the illustrator here, one was on the high fastball. He blew it by Anthony, uh, he blew it by Leody Tavares, uh, blows the high fastball by him at 100.8 miles per hour. And then he actually gets, I, I can't even see who this was. It's off the <laughs> it's off the illustrator. This pitch is so in the dirt that all the information is not even visible on the illustrator. Let's go over to the scoreboard here and go to the eighth inning. And he got uh, Yoni Hernandez. Man, Hernandez did not have a good day, did he? Uh, Yoni Hernandez, is that three strikeouts on the day for him? Uh, where is he here? The number nine hitter. Yeah, 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. Oof, that is not how you want to go into the offseason. But he chases a slider in the dirt. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, that is fun for Anthony Ghost probably. Wasn't really locating that slider all too well. Uh, it's funny because last appearance, he missed with all those sliders high. This time, he was missing low and inside with all those sliders. Um you know, he's a lefty, so he's sweeping it across the zone. He pounded everything inside on these righties. The fastballs were inside and the sliders were inside. Just big sweepers right across the zone at their knees, at their uh, feet, frankly. And so he threw one in the strike zone that he got for a swinging strike and then uh, swept the rest across the zone and finally got Hernandez to swing at one in the dirt. So a great job by Anthony Ghost. Actually doesn't throw one high fastball out of the zone. Keeps everything in the strike zone or below. So I am very excited to see what Anthony Ghost is going to work on in the offseason. And I am very excited to see him come in and pitch uh, next season. All right, it's time to give out our final MVP for the day, for the season. And uh, I would love to give it to someone on offense, but they really spread it around. Uh, you know, Chang, Zimmer both had good days. Ahmed Rosario and Straw both had big moments in this game. 
Uh, but I got to go with Aaron Savali for coming back and getting that final win on the season, finishing 12-5 and on the season. Again, six innings pitch, three hits, no runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. That is a solid, solid pitching performance right there from Aaron Savali. So he takes home the final MVP on the season. That is it. That is the storyline of the final game of the Cleveland Indians season of the 2021 season. And I just want to say a big thank you to all the morning people who have stuck with us all season, even as the Indians playoff hopes faded. You stuck with us all season. You listened through all the games, all 162 podcasts for 162 games. Honestly, It is so much fun to talk baseball, and it's great to find a little community of people that, uh, you know, are interested in a real conversation about the games. You know, it's the thing we watch every night. It's the thing we listen to on the radio when we're driving home from a late night at work. You know, it's the thing we watch the highlights of in the morning, right? I remember as a little kid just sitting there waiting for SportsCenter to show Indians highlights, Just waiting for those highlights to come on. That two minutes of glory when you can see Jim Tomey blast a home run, Charlie Nagy strike someone out, and then they throw up the score uh, and the top player performers for the day, right? You get, what, maybe 30 seconds on SportsCenter if you were lucky. And uh, now we're spoiled, right? We've got, you know, the MLB app and we got all these YouTube and all these resources uh, to watch Indian stuff. We've got baseball savant to break down stats and have illustrators and, uh, you know, all sorts of crazy things uh, surrounding this game now. So we can talk in depth and in detail about baseball. And it's a game that deserves it. It's a game that deserves a real conversation. Uh, much more, much more of a conversation than any of the local radio stations, any of the local sports talk stations are willing to give it. The only conversation they're going to have this offseason is about the name change and about how cheap the Dolans are, right? Jose Ramirez giving him a a long-term deal. That might be the most in-depth that local radio is going to get the entire offseason. So that's what you have us podcasters for. Uh, I know there's some other decent ones out there, right? I compliment the Selby's Godcast all the time. And uh, I hope that I'm up there with the, you know, with them when it comes to your podcast listening. I hope I'm bringing you enough stats and details and in-depth conversation about the real things that go on in baseball, about the real game on the field. And I hope you've enjoyed it. So thank you again, morning people. We are not going to stop talking. Absolutely not. We won't be talking every day, but we are not going to stop talking. Uh, I will continue to do, we're going to wrap up the 2021 season first. We'll probably do some pitching wrap-ups, some offensive wrap-ups. Maybe we'll break up the infield and the outfield so we can go in-depth on some of these guys. We'll look at their 2021 and we'll look ahead what, you know, they can contribute realistically in 2022. So uh, we'll do all that season wrap-up stuff. I'll continue to pepper and talk about the playoffs. Don't go anywhere because we got to talk about the wild card. And what happened on the last day of the season. Um, So we'll continue to talk through the playoffs. Chances are you'll probably see episodes from me on Saturdays and Sundays. It's much easier to record, obviously, on the weekends. 
Um, and then as news breaks, we'll be there to talk about it. As the roster takes shape for 2022, as things like the Rule 5 draft and the winter meetings and free agency kicks off, you know, we'll be there to talk about it all. Do the Indians have a big offseason trade up their sleeve? They might have to if they want a corner outfielder because I've looked over the list of free agent corner outfielders and they're either going to want way more money than the Indians Guardians could ever offer them or they're really not that good. So it might be a trade which would make sense because we have more guys than we can protect in the Rule 5 draft. We have more... We're going to lose somebody. We're going to lose somebody really talented this year in the Rule 5 draft. It's going to happen. And the only way to get some value back is to preemptively maybe make a trade and use some of that in-middle infield talent to pull off a trade and get that corner outfielder of all our dreams. So I'll be there to talk about all of it with you. I love transaction season. I love a good, crazy offseason where the team makes a lot of moves. So we'll see what happens there. All right, before we get out of here, before we close the final game of 2021, we got to talk about what happened yesterday in that wild card because it was insanity. Um, first off, the uh, the San Francisco Giants take care of business out in the NL West. If they would have lost that game, we would have had a 163 for the, for the NL West. But San Francisco takes care of business out there. And they hold off the Dodgers the entire season. Frankly, it's incredible what happened out there in San Francisco. Obviously, we don't get to talk about it or see it that often. But fantastic season by a lot of veterans out there on that San Francisco Giants team. Now they got to make it happen in the playoffs. That's a whole nother level right there. Then in the wild card, it looked like Toronto and Seattle had a chance to create some real chaos. Toronto did their job. They absolutely hammered Baltimore 12-4. They went off on them. Uh, Seattle did not. The Angels got out to an early lead, and the Angels ran away with the final matchup of the season. So they hold the Mirrors at a 90-win season. And with a 90-win season, they're going to be watching from home. Same thing, though, with the Toronto Blue Jays. They come up one game short to the Yankees and Red Sox, and both the Yankees and the Red Sox Looked like they could have lost yesterday. They really did. Tampa Bay and New York go into the ninth inning, nothing, nothing. Tampa Bay can't get a run across. The Yankees come up. They get runners on second and third with one out. And Aaron Judge up to the plate. And they decide not, Tampa Bay decides not to walk Aaron Judge. I do not understand that decision. I mean, no matter who is behind him, I don't care that Giancarlo Stanton is batting behind him. You load the bases because it creates a force at every base. You need that force at every base. You know, you can come home with it and get the runner there. You could turn a double play up the middle. It's not like Stanton runs great. It would seem like a dumb decision. Not, And he makes him pay with a single up the middle. So, uh, well, actually, it was a single. The infielder did knock it down. He just couldn't get the throw home in time to nab the runner because there's no force. They got to get the tag on him. So the Yankees end up winning that one one nothing on a walk-off in the ninth inning. And then the Boston Red Sox were down big to the Nationals. They were down 5-1 to one at one point, come storming back with four runs, one in the sixth, three in the seventh, and then in the ninth inning, who else but Devers 
gets a big two-run home run. The dude was four for five with four RBIs and three runs scored on the day. You think Devers wanted to deliver playoffs for the Boston Red Sox? Two homers on the day gives him 38 on the season and a big back-breaking two-run home run in the top of the ninth inning for the Red Sox to finish off the Washington Nationals, and they secure home field advantage for the wild card game. So the Yankees have to head up to the Bronx, up to the Bronx. <laughs> the Yankees have to head up to Boston and face the Red Sox at Fenway. It's not what any of us wanted outside of New York and Boston. Yes, we get it, New York and Boston. You have a great rivalry. We don't care. I wanted to see the Toronto Blue Jays in the playoffs. I, the, all those young hitters, I wanted to see it. Uh, instead, they're going to be watching from home, same place as the Cleveland Indians. Uh, so we get the Yankees Red Sox on Tuesday night. And then on uh, Wednesday night, we got the Cardinals Dodgers. And all the best pitchers are going. You got Garrett Cole going against Evaldi for the Red Sox. And then on Wednesday, you got Wainwright going against Scherzer in the Cardinals Dodgers game. That is going to be one tough matchup for the Cardinals. Scherzer is one heck of a playoff pitcher. But the Cardinals have been red hot. I mean, they came close. They came close to the Indians' win streak at the end of this season. That's how they got into the playoffs. The same thing the Indians did when they had that huge streak to run away with the division. So, uh, yeah, this huge winning streak gets them into the wild card. And they, unfortunately, have to face the Dodgers now. Uh, which is a tall task uh, for any team. I mean, the Dodgers, uh, can I pull up the standings here? Their run differential on the season uh, was just insanity. Um, The final standings here, uh, the run differential for the LA Dodgers was plus 269. Plus 269 runs. That is by far the best in baseball. The Indians finish with a minus 10 run differential. So, all right. So that is your playoffs. You were set for some wild card action this week. And those are going to be crazy games. Obviously, they created the one game wild card playoff just to capture that crazy playoff drama that they had all those seasons ago with game when they had that final day of the season where everybody was matched up. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of forced drama, but it's good TV. I'm not going to lie. It's really good TV. So, again, it has been an absolute pleasure talking baseball with you, and we are not going anywhere. Get ready. Be ready for the weekends. They'll probably be labeled for now. They'll be labeled as 2021 off-season or season wrap-up. That's what they'll be labeled, 2021 season wrap-up episodes. And then once the playoffs are done, we'll get into our 2022 off-season episodes. So, Again, the final from Texas, the final game of the season. It's the Indians 6, the Texas Rangers nothing. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. No show to talk, no game to talk about tomorrow, no episode tomorrow. Uh, Look for me to come back on the weekend and start doing some wrap-up episodes. Follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. I will do a mailbag episode. Now that the season's over, I will do a mailbag episode, but you actually have to send emails in. So send in your emails, send in your final season thoughts. If you want to eulogize the Indians nickname, you know, tell me your thoughts. Go ahead. I'm, I'm open to it. You know, go ahead and shoot me an email and tell me everything you're thinking about this switch to Guardians um, or just this season. If you just want to send me a long, you know, a three paragraph email 
about Yu Cheng's power, go ahead. I would gladly talk about it on the show. So let me know your thoughts and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for a show, just like those call-in radio shows you love calling into. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again. Seriously, thank you for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.